I'm excited about continuing our series this morning. Uh, Jesus, the series is the very last installment, the last episode of season one. Uh, so we're excited about that. We'll come back to this uh, later on in the year. Because uh, honestly, I don't ever want to be done talking about Jesus. And uh, I know he's meant so much to me, and I'm sure to you as well. Praise the Lord. Uh, last week, we talked about the temptation of Christ, and we saw the secret sauce to resisting temptation is walking in the Spirit so that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And Jesus modeled this for us. He was in the wilderness to be tempted because the Spirit led him there, and he prayed, and he fasted, and he used Scripture to combat the temptations that the devil Threw at him. And hopefully, over this last week, you have followed Christ's example, and hopefully, you've decided to really endeavor to walk in the Spirit over the last week. Hopefully, you've set out and said, I'm going to do things different. I'm not going to fall into those same sins over and over and over again. I'm going to set out to walk in the Spirit so that I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Over the past few years, there's been a ton of viral movements. And I'm not talking about like the stomach bug that's going around right now. I'm talking about like these big cultural explosions where a certain action catches on and seemingly everyone is a part of it. The very first one that I remember was planking. How many of you ever know what that is? Planking was when they would take pictures where you're like laying down, like face down just randomly. Uh, at different places, and they post them on the internet, and they thought that was really cool uh, for some reason. And then there was like the ice bucket challenge. How many of y'all remember that, right? It was to raise awareness for Lou Gehrig's disease, which is awesome, but you, it just was an explosion. And there was a Tide, Tide Pod challenge just like this last year, which is don't do that. That's, that's really dumb. Don't, don't eat detergent. That's, that's like, you know, number one thing that you shouldn't do. Don't do that. I know it looks like candy. It's not candy. Uh, another thing that was a big cultural explosion was flash mobs. How many of you ever remember those? Uh, where they, people just come together and they uh, you know, start singing a song for no reason. I've got a clip right here of, uh, of some evidence of a flash mob. If we'd throw it up there. If you, if you look real close, you can see a young Josh Weddle right there. Yeah, that's what a flash mob looks like. If you want to look at the rest of it, it's really embarrassing. Josh talked about my plunger story a couple weeks ago, and this is me getting back for that. You see that uh, sleeveless shirt? That was awesome. <laughs> but these viral movements, they appear, and they're there just for a little while, and it's like, for a little while, the culture seems to be just enamored with everybody doing this one thing, and then they just go away. Well, Christianity as a movement surpasses all of those viral experiences that we've seen in the last few years. The spread of Christianity is inexplicable. In fact, the spread of Christianity over the last 2,000 years is one of the major proofs for the authenticity of Scripture and Jesus and Him being who He said He was in the resurrection. So how did Christianity spread from 500 people in 33 AD to the largest religion in the world at 2.2 billion people? 
Obviously, when we talk about statistics, we can't know the heart of every person uh, that we're talking about here. There are always going to be people that check a box that they're Christians or they're uh, followers of Christ, and really they're just nominal followers of Christ or undedicated followers. We can't always know people's hearts. But how did we get here? How did we get from just a regional thing in uh, Jerusalem to being all over the world, billions of people being a part of it? Well, I'm excited because I got some graphs and charts today. How many of y'all like that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Woo, yeah. Let me show you this one. This is a breakdown of uh, the largest religions in uh, the world. And right there you see 31.2% uh, as of 2015 uh, from the Pew Research Center. Did you realize that you are in the majority of the world when you say that Jesus is God and that he rose from the dead, and that Jesus saves. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but you are in the majority. All these, point, uh, these uh, charts, once again, are from the uh, Pew Research Center. This next one shows you the spread of Christianity around the world. And all those in red, or almost red, are majority Christian nations. It's a, it's a, co a, a color-coordinated map of all the religions. And yes, Christianity, we can feel sometimes like it's on a downward spiral, a spiral here in America. But there are places all over the world that where there is real and rapid growth. And many of those places are the places that aren't read on the map. In the past uh, 100 years, South Korea has grown from 1% Christian to 29%. Christian. That's insane growth. We're talking about 15 million people in the past 100 years. In fact, Guinness World uh, Record book holds that the largest church in the world is in South Korea. The, in 1958, Pastor David Cho started Yoida Full Gospel Church with five people, and now it boasts 800,000 members, bolstered by its huge house church movement. China is another place where Christianity has exploded in the last hundred years. Experts say that by the year 2030, that there will be more Christians in China than in any other single country. In 1949, there was about 800,000 Christians in China, and today it's estimated with house churches that it has more than 100 million Christians. See, here in America, especially on the internet, on TV, it can feel like we're now in the minority, but that's simply not true. Every moment, every day, someone is lifting up and praising the name of Jesus around this world. You are not alone in saying that Jesus saves. And that's why racism and nationalism is so silly for Christians. Why? Because my citizenship doesn't lie in the United States. It lies in heaven. And there are people in China that I have more in common with than some of the people down the street. And I also didn't mention that uh, 11 of the top 20 fastest growing Christian communities are in the Middle East or predominantly Muslim countries. What am I saying? I'm saying God is not dead. Christ is having the victory all over the world. And although it might feel dark right now, God is still working. So we're talking about the words and works of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to look at today is where did it start? This thing being a Jesus follower, being a Christian, how did it start? Who was involved? How did it spread? We see the beginning of this viral movement in John chapter 1. 
It gives us the account of the very first disciples, if you'll turn there with me. The very first followers of Jesus, John chapter 1. The first to recognize, hey, this is the Messiah. Jesus comes back from the wilderness after resisting the devil and praying and fasting for 40 days. And we pick up in verse 29 of John chapter 1. It says, the next day, he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me, a man who ranks before me. Because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness that I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water like a dove, uh, excuse me, is he, he that said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him, and they follow Jesus. So John the Baptist sees Jesus coming back into town, and he's all about pointing to Jesus. He says, this is what we have been waiting for. This is the Messiah. This is the Lamb of God that has come to take away our sins. This is the Son of God. The next day, John the Baptist sees Jesus again and says, behold, the Lamb of God. As you know, the old, in the Old Testament, a lamb was a sacrifice. And from the beginning of his life, Jesus was always walking toward the cross. See, at that point, John the Baptist had some followers of his own, some disciples. And we remember John's famous message, right? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But now John changes his message, and he says, the kingdom of God is here. Here is the Son of God. Here is the Lamb of God. And two of John's disciples hear him say this, and they get the hint. And they leave following John, and they start to follow Jesus. And any good preacher will always point you towards Jesus and not themselves. Any good preacher would love for you to follow Jesus rather than themselves. We don't hear a lot more about John the Baptist after this. He, we know he later is imprisoned and beheaded, but when Jesus came, John's ministry waned. The Bible doesn't tell us that John was jealous or bitter at all that his cousin stole his thunder. Why? Because John knew that Jesus was so much more than just his cousin. He was God in the flesh. Verse 37 said, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him, and they, uh, heard him say this and they followed Jesus. This passage is clear that Andrew was one of the very first disciples that left John the Baptist and followed after Jesus. And many of the scholars believe that the second disciple was John the Beloved because of his habit of not mentioning his own name in his writings. So Andrew and John were both some of the early, uh, earliest Jesus followers. 
So verse 8 goes on, and we see some more following after Jesus, this viral movement. And you're going to see it just happens organically. Verse 38, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to him, what are you seeking? He sees John and Andrew following. He's like, what do you need? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. So John and Andrew followed Jesus. They realized that he is a great teacher. They hang out with him for a few hours, and then Andrew runs to get his brother Peter to tell him that he found the Messiah. And then the next day, Jesus heads toward Galilee and sees Philip on the way, and he says, follow me, and Philip becomes a Jesus follower. And Philip gets excited, and he goes and finds Nathanael. John 1.45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found the Messiah, Philip says. That old, the Old Testament talks about, the old prophets talked about. We found the Savior. And Nathaniel gets kind of racist here in a minute, and he says, nothing good could ever come out of Nazareth. Man, geez, dude, you can't say that. That's, that's not okay. But Philip says, hey, look, come and see. This guy's different. He's unlike anyone I've ever seen, anyone I've ever met. You've got to come and see Jesus. Verse 47, and Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. See, Jesus sees Nathaniel coming and says, here's an honest guy. Here's the type of guy you can't pull the wool over his eyes. And Nathaniel says, do I know you? And Jesus says, before Philip even came to see you, I know where you were. You were under a fig tree. Jesus revealed information that only Nathaniel could have known. And this was such a significant experience that Nathaniel immediately believes. And boom, Nathaniel is a follower of Jesus. But Jesus says, you think that was amazing? Just watch. You're going to see greater things than these. And that's how Jesus got his first five disciples. John, Andrew, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel, who the other gospels call Bartholomew. But notice only one of the first five disciples did Jesus personally walk up to and call to himself. And that was Philip. The other four, someone pointed them and brought them to Jesus. John the Baptist pointed John and Andrew. Andrew went and told Peter, and then Jesus came by later on and said, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then Philip told Nathaniel. See, even when Jesus literally walked this earth, he used normal people to spread the message. Did you know how Christianity became the largest religion in the world and how there's so many people that are so connected to it? It's because exactly what we just saw happen, happened over and over and over again, millions of times over, over the last 2,000 years. People said, hey, you see that guy? That's Jesus. He's the son of God. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. He's unlike anyone else. Hey, he died and rose again. 
Normal people, no title, got excited about sharing Jesus. Hey, man, you have to come and see. See this guy, Jesus. He's unlike no one else. See, part of why America is ticking down, uh, Christianity is ticking down in America is the church relying on programs and pastors to get the gospel out. But real growth doesn't happen because of something that I have done. It's when you get excited about telling people about Jesus and inviting them to come and see. Normal people, no title, excited about sharing Jesus. And that's how we help. That's how we make an impact here in Clarksburg, West Virginia. These two countries that I mentioned, China and South Korea, have experienced rapid growth because of underground cell churches or house churches. And what does that mean? That means that you start a church in your house personally to have a Bible study. It means that you took responsibility personally to go and grab your brothers, your sisters, your friends, and you tell them that you found the Messiah, the Son of God, and then they study the Bible together and pour into each other's lives. It wasn't because of, uh, and it isn't because of some scheduled church activity that's on the church calendar. It is organic and rapid growth when people take personal responsibility to not say, hey, it's the church's mission to tell people about Jesus. They say, it's my mission because I am the church. In, in China, they do this under danger of persecution. Four days ago in China, they just shut down a thousand uh, member church, banned them. They couldn't meet there together anymore. That was four days ago, and it happens often. In South Korea, they live in constant fear of nuclear war because of North Korea. But they take personal responsibility for the mission of the gospel. It's not just the church's mission, it's their mission. Normal people, no title, excited about sharing Jesus. And they know why they believe what they believe. And their faith is grounded on who Jesus is. And while stati uh, Christians, uh, Christianity statistics are trending down in America, that's mostly led by uh, theologically liberal churches seeing a reduction in attendance. If we're not any different than the world, there's no reason to go to church. If it's not founded on the Bible and it's only founded on a pastor's opinion or a culture's opinion, that's not going to work. The theologically conservative evangelical movement in America is actually seeing real growth, even in the Northeast, in the harder places in New England. And many of these times, uh, the churches there are thriving with a small group program that connects more than just on Sunday, and they live out their faith in the streets and in the neighborhoods, and they make a difference in their community. But it's really just doing what those first disciples did. John pointed to Jesus. Andrew pointed to Jesus. Philip pointed to Jesus. We have found the Messiah. We have found the Savior. We have found the Lamb of God that is here to take away our sins. And he loves you, and he can change your life. You've got to meet this guy. That's what we need. We need this type of movement in Clarksburg, in Harrison County. People that don't care about pointing to themselves or care about titles or how they'll look. But they'll say, come and see Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he has done for me. 
And then let Jesus show them that he knows where they were and who they are and what's going on in their life and where they've been. See, when the gospel is lived out, it's the biggest viral movement ever. The gospel could change this county. It's the only thing that can change this county. If we would each take personal responsibility for telling people one by one. It's not hard. You just tell people what Jesus has done for you. Maybe that starts with you meditating on what Jesus has done for you. Remember where you came from. Remember who you were without Jesus. Maybe you pray that God would give you direction on someone that you can text today about Jesus. Or call tomorrow or set up a Starbucks meeting and sit down and talk about Jesus. Who is your Nathaniel? Maybe it's starting a conversation about faith. Maybe it's praying with a coworker with a sick loved one. Maybe it's inviting them to your small group. Maybe it's offering to take them out to lunch if they come to church with you. Maybe it's sharing Jesus while you're trying not to freak out. The Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? Someone has got to go and tell them. See, the gospel only has saving power if you pass it on. If we keep it to ourselves, the Bible says we are the hands and the feet. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a duty or a, a responsibility. It's a privilege. How amazing is it that you're able to tell people about the resurrection, about Jesus, and about how he's changed your life? And this is how the early church exploded. Normal people. No title, excited about sharing Jesus. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Band's going to come here in a second. I want you to take this opportunity, if you would, to begin to start thinking of a name. God has placed people in your life that need what we just talked about this morning. They need someone to say, come and see Jesus. He's not like anybody else. I know the Jesus that they talk about on the History Channel. I know the Jesus that they put on the newspaper. Or even sometimes the Jesus that other churches talk about that's real judgmental and hateful and and just is angry at you all the time. I know you've heard of that Jesus, but this is the real Jesus. Let me tell you about the Jesus that the Bible talks about. There's people in your life that need this. There's people in your life that you haven't yet reached out to that need this. I want you to pray right now, if you would, and ask God to lay someone on your heart. God, who is my Andrew and Philip that I not point towards myself, but I can point them towards you, God? Who is my Nathaniel that I can go and say, hey, you gotta, you gotta meet this guy? Now, I know you have a, an opinion about it, but at, I'm telling you, that's not who he is. You've gotta come and see. 
And take a minute. Everyone in the room. Just ask God, God, lay a name on my heart. God, who needs this? Tori and I were talking about this a couple days ago, and God's really put a family on our heart that we're praying that God gives us the opportunity to really have these conversations with, invite them to church, share the gospel with them. Pray now. Ask God. God, who's my Philip? Who's my John? Who's my Peter? Peter? 